0: OTB AM. I was really triggered. We don't want Johnny Sexton having any part of any Netflix curse ahead of the World Cup. OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7:30 on the OTB Sports app.
1: Off the ball daily.
2: It is Monday night. It's Off the Ball. It's Adrian with you between now and 10 this evening. You're very welcome along to the show. It's an absolutely stacked show for you. Uh, for the next three hours as well. the Six Nations is here, or nearly here at least. Gordon Darcy is going to join us uh, from Monday Night Rugby, he looked a little bit back at the URC over the weekend, but mainly looking ahead to uh, the uh, upcoming Six Nations. Colin Boyle, uh, plenty of talking points from the opening weekend of the National Football League, wherever it is you're at in the country. We'd love to hear from you. If you've any thoughts on how your team went or uh, the biggest takeaways for your county after the opening weekend, send them in to us. Kevin Kilbane is going to talk to us about the appointment of Sean Dyche in the last few hours as new Everton manager. Can he save them? He must save them, I think, is the main uh, takeaway from Kevin Kilbane. And we'll get that as well as his time Thoughts on Evan Ferguson after another bloody impressive weekend for the Irish youngster in Brighton colours, albeit that he left with an injury in the end. Andy Naylor, who covers Brighton for The Athletic, will talk Ferguson and uh, Brighton generally as well, as well as Aaron Connolly and the possibility of a potential return for him uh, to Brighton down the track. And we're going to look back as well on the 2023 Australian Open. Caitlin Thompson from racketmag.com will join us at about half past eight this evening. Richie McCormick, good evening to you. AB, how are you? Very good. Dave McIntyre, good evening to you. Adrian, how are you? You're in full commentator mode, Dave. Good to see you.
0: Uh, Look, at do whatever it takes to make this sound as well as possible.
2: Is that the bunker from where you uh, you do your Six Nations commentaries as well? Or?
0: Uh,
2: absolutely not.
0: No, no. Uh-huh. It's, um, my bunker for Six Nations will look an awful lot better than this, uh, particularly this weekend. I'm privileged enough to be in Cardiff this Saturday for Virgin t- Media Television. We have the game live from the Principality Stadium. I cannot wait. Every Six Nations Stadium has its own special sense to it whenever you're there but for some reason for me Cardiff has always stood above the rest it's, it's incredible whether you're going as a fan or or whether you're working the,
2: the tightness of the city and the ground and as Gordon Darcy was saying earlier on the hotels everything's like stacked on top of each other in a way that none of the other cities really are
0: Yeah, well, when you walk out of the Principality, you're literally in the city centre. It's like as if Croke Park was right there between Crafton Street and O'Connell Street. although think Croke Park's obviously pretty central. And then just the nature of the stadium, the way it was built, it was one of the great new stadiums when it was built for the 1999 World Cup. The steepness of the stands, obviously sometimes when the roof is closed, the atmosphere isn't closed within and you almost feel like the stadium is sweating in the atmosphere. And the Welsh probably sing better than any other rugby Uh, following Nation when the choirs get going beforehand and they tend to sing their anthem and bread of heaven during the game as well and uh, there's nothing like it
2: The thing that I always appreciated most was the because you'd be working if you were there at games obviously you'd be in a few interviews afterwards it'd be all hours by the time you get out depending on what time kickoff was at uh, it was really handy to go for a pint afterwards. That was, yes. the, uh, it was like
0: always a very important part of any agenda, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe
2: sometimes more than one. Um, yes. But uh, yeah. No. Look, I'm uh, I'm excited, Dave and Richie. I'm very excited because the Six Nations is back, uh, we're headed head uh, headlong into it. I'm excited.
1: Because oh, cheeses have you got in, Adrian?
2: R- <laughs> That's TBC, Richie. A very good shout <laughs> and, and a timely reminder, so thank you for that. I'm excited because Rory crushed Reid in the ultimate battle of uh, good versus evil, and good won. I'm excited because Evan Ferguson is possibly go- and most likely going to be the greatest Irish footballer of all time. I'm excited uh, because the league is back, and it's brilliant it was brilliant at the weekend and I'm excited because the CCCCCC are meeting probably at this very minute and hopefully although who the hell knows how uh, the whole thing is going to come to an end um, in relation to the club final very very soon so I'm just generally excited lads what's, what's um, out of all that list there feel free to add your own both of you what's, what's doing it for you this evening Off you go Richie
1: uh, Me being back Adrian firmly right. back firmly being contenders under Colm O'Rourke De- definitely and not brilliant, a, a blip Richie no, definitely, definitely 100% not a blip. I think they showed that during the O'Byrne Cup, that the foundations are there for a decent season under Rory. And I think yesterday going down to, well, let's be honest, it's not an easy place to go to, Parky, I'm playing a, a Cork team that have been in the last couple of years uh, on an upward trajectory uh, to go there to put in such a fine second half display, play score, 2-8, I think it was in the second half, and to see off Cork. Uh, I think that the, the, the initial signs and the initial kind of uh, sh- green shoots are there for Colin Work, and if he can build on that going through the, the, the spring and into the summer, who knows what might lie ahead for those in green and gold this year, Adrian. Another weekend
2: where um, a footballer con- called Shane Walsh has made the headlines, which is he my big uh, takeaway from that one. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, not at all confusing.
0: What are you having, Dave? I, I, you wake up on a Monday morning and you're looking ahead to the sporting week and usually you have to wait until at least Tuesday or Wednesday for something to present itself but to be able to sit uh, at home after the school run this morning and watch the back nine in Dubai was top class entertainment. It's just a shame that two the two of them, McElroy and Reed, weren't part of the same three ball but... It was brilliant watching him chase him down. They both made mistakes on the back nine. There were perfect conditions. There were bogeys as well as a plethora of birdies for both sets of players. They started the week as being the headline story. They finished the week with the two of them being the headline story. And it was a brilliant way for him to finish. Part of me wanted a playoff because it would have made for a gripping television to see the two lads having to shake hands and if it was the 18th tee to go again. But at the same time, it was a, a brilliant way for McIlroy to finish. and. Although in his post-round interview, he did say he felt there was an awful lot of his game that was wrong this week and that he had an awful lot to work on to pick up where he left off last year, finishing the season as the Race to Dubai winner on the back of a year in which he won four times and contended in all of the majors. It was great to see him, his first outing of 2023, to win. So I think it takes a little bit of pressure off him immediately, and he can fine-tune his his game as we get towards March and April and the real teeth of the season.
2: I'm sure, like the <clears throat> people who are nearest and dearest to Patrick Reed, um, had find that he has a lot of uh, redeeming features about him. I mean, possibly not some of those people who uh, you might expect, given the well documented um, falling out he's had with some of his, uh, some of his family. Uh, he's just he's not very likable person. And I have to say, like I, it was uh, the Rory, you're obviously cheering for Rory because it's Rory, or I was anyway. But I, I sort of felt that no matter who was up against Patrick Reed, he had uh, you know. Yeah, the vast majority of people behind him, uh, against him, I should say. Um, but it was it was justice, Dave. It was uh, the good, battle of good versus evil. I presume that's the way you were spinning it as well.
0: <laughs> well, if, if there can be good versus evil in professional golf, where everybody involved in the top hundred is minted and has already more money than they will ever be able to spend. But uh, it's, for me, it's one of the reasons why many occasions this year and next, the European Tour will be will make for better viewing than the PGA Tour. Because as things stand, legally as things stand, and that could change in the weeks to come, obviously, the live golfers are entitled to play in the big European Tour events. And I enjoyed watching the, a leaderboard that had McElroy at the top and he was being chased down by Viesberger, by Poulter, by Patrick Reed. I just thought that was really interesting. And obviously, for the moment and for the foreseeable, you will not see that in a PGA Tour event. I like Patrick Reed because he's brilliant to watch. I love his swing. I love the way he grinds things out on the golf course. He's obviously an utterly dislikable character. But in many ways, that is why I like him as a golfer, because it's, um, it's something that Liv has taken away from your average Sunday night viewing. They've taken a lot of the more dislikable guys from the PGA Tour. We're talking Coulter, Westwood, Garcia, Mm. Reed, Deshambo, Kepka. A lot of guys that have some qualities that you wouldn't exactly describe as redeeming, and they're all missing. So I just made this morning even more gripping, and I thoroughly enjoyed it.
2: The sport has so much like contrived rivalries, right? And like these sort of contrived hatreds and they sort of boil up. Like you heard Warren Gatlin talking during the week about the um, Netflix documentary and the way he's slightly concerned about things that might get said that you don't really mean Just the heat of battle, You're trying to get a team wound up. These people hate each other. I would like pay to watch this stuff on a week. If there was like some sort of a Ryder Cup style, live golf versus, uh, you know, good versus evil, I would, I would pay to watch that weekly.
0: <laughs> Look, who knows where all this is going to end up? They may come to the PJ Tour and Live Golf, may come together in a room and end up with some sort of a scenario that pits themselves against each other for a mutual a financial reimbursement at some stage in the future. And we've no idea where this will go, but yeah, I can see why that would make for uh, interesting television. All right. As long as they continue hating each other, Dave, is what yeah, I'm right. saying. Like, I'm not just, uh, It can't be anything
2: contrived about this. It can't be like, oh, we're mates behind the scenes, but like, but we're right, sort of, you know. Um, uh, pay you can pay a cent to hate each other, I want it to be real um, but anyway, yeah, look it was good and it was great that Rory got over the line of course, right. the Evan Ferguson stuff lads, I don't know Richie were you uh, watching the game yesterday morning Like the, yeah. the, the <clears throat> injury was jeez the tackle was off the charts bad and I have to say when I was watching it live I didn't quite cop it first time around but geez, first replay you're thinking how does this guy stay on the pitch but that notwithstanding um, <clears throat> this, this guy is somebody to be excited about
1: I think what you saw in the wake of the the injury and the tackle was how many hopes are pinned on this guy. Uh, he The reaction to him going off injured and to Nathan's video, then subsequently of him leaving the Amex on, on crutches, it shows that we have our hopes pinned on this guy in a way that I don't think even the Troy Parrots and the Michael Abafemis and Jason Knights and whoever else have, have come to the boil in the last couple of years in an Ireland jersey have had. He is and looks like and i think anybody whose opinion did respect and there's a lot of people from outside of an irish football bubble really do think that this guy has it and can build on what he has already done which by the age of of, of 18 19 is already uh, pretty freakish he's got the build of a, a really top level striker he's got the sensibilities and the instincts of a top level striker and if we can get the best out of that and get the best of that in an Ireland jersey in the coming years uh, then, like like mentioned, when Gareth Bale retired, you look at what he did for a really average international team. If you have one player, if you've, you're an international team with one exceptional player, then that can raise a lot of votes.
2: Mm. Uh, He And he just, like, he has a bit of everything, Dave. Like, that's the, geez, it, you know, he nearly has too much going on from an Irish point of view in the sense that, like, you know, we need somebody to lash the ball into the back of the net there might be a temptation to sort of play him a bit deeper. I don't know, but uh, the excitement levels are off the charts in my house for him anyway.
0: The, there's a maturity to him that we didn't see with our, the likes of Aaron Connolly and Adam Eda, for example. They're, they have a real rawness to them and probably in some way still do despite their being a lot further down the career path than, than Evan Ferguson. He, he has a subtleness to him that he carries himself with the age of a man way beyond his years. It's hard to believe he's only 18. I actually, I played golf with him in some event. It was a a charity event months ago. He was only 17 at the time. I couldn't believe how big he was. It was just, and obviously most professional athletes look big standing beside me but the height of him the physicality that he just had with his gait the way he carried himself and obviously he will put on weight he will bulk up as he gets more and more years of strength and conditioning under his belt and I like that to his maturity his ability to hold the ball up his instinctive finishing the tackle itself was a shocker, and. and I'll throw out that cliched line. I don't think Fabinho is that type of player. You could tell from his reaction straight away that that was a a reckless tackle that he he didn't intend to make and shouldn't have made. But Fabinho was standing there waiting to be sent off. Not only when he was shown a yellow, he stood there afterwards explaining to his teammates how the red was coming, and it didn't come. And you have to (laughs) wonder, what is the point of VAR? The video assistant referee yesterday should be suspended because if you can get away with a tackle like that, on review whatever but the referee missing it straight up on first viewing well the person in the um var office clearly is not doing their job and probably isn't capable of doing the job properly i thought andy robertson was lucky not to be sent off Canate was lucky not to be sent off liverpool were a bit of a rabble in that second half and on a worse day for them could have finished the game with eight men but um i'm just i'm hoping that the tackle and the uh, fallout out of consequences of it are far less serious than it initially looked.
2: Yeah, there's no uh, degree of sort of uh, update um, really as to where where he's at on it. And uh, you you probably assume at this point the look at who knows the Latvia game is upcoming and the more important France game a few days after that. We shall uh, we shall see what happens on that front. Was is he? You play golf for him? Is he is he actually only six foot? Only six foot? I say uh, I,
0: t- I got the impression he was taller than that. Now I didn't actually ask him what his, I didn't ask him for his. And you're special. no measurement, David? You say yourself. Say yourself. Well, no, you couldn't really decide how tall somebody
2: was standing beside me, because he just looks like such a presence when he's, you know, even even backing into those that, that, those Liverpool defenders, yet, uh, defenders yesterday and against uh, against other other players like big units. He's very, um, he's, he's really got the physical thing going on.
0: He does. Uh, I, we we need to speak to someone about that knows an awful lot more about his game than, than you or I, but I don't know how quick he is. Does he have that yard of pace that's that's required to really get you into the top echelon of, of strikers in Europe? Is he short of that? I don't know that yet, but mm-hmm. he's clearly a good finisher. The cre- The assist that he put in for the second Liverpool or goal against Liverpool in the Premier League three weeks ago shows that he can be a creator as well, works incredibly hard. And the matter in which he's improved so much over the last six months would have you believe that he is uh, hes going to mature quickly and that he's... he's, he's um learning curve isn't maybe as steep as it might be for other strikers of his age uh,
2: a few texts coming into us rory versus reed was the business why is there not more monday morning uh, sport wonders tigan and drum i suspect uh, productivity levels if uh, if i was able to go by this morning at 10 o'clock productivity levels might be uh, might be low tag uh, michael and arclow says ah oh, stop rory wins in a weak field while well, the real action was in america um lads enough golf is muck uh, so does that mean? that's okay don't know what to do with that um and Roy uh, says on Evan Ferguson here, his stature and all-around game invite by comparisons to Benzema, is Evan better than the real thing?
1: Um, um, yeah.
2: Uh, they, they do apologise, to be fair. And then Anthony Mayo wonders, uh, for you, Richie, a Cork team on an upward trajectory, really. Have you been watching them in the last few years? I mean, James, I don't know who would agree with you, Richie.
1: Yeah, uh, and uh, we've all been watching Mayo as well, to be fair, so uh, we can probably make <laughs> our own trips of our trajectories if you side, want. Uh, Sideswipe there. Right, the news
2: round brought to you by Gillette Labs for an effortless <laughs> finish to your day. It's uh, quarter past seven this evening, or just about uh, gone, quarter past seven. Good news uh, from Australia, Richie, where you're going to kick yeah. things off for us.
1: This one just broke in the last few minutes. The Republic of Ireland's opening game at the Women's World Cup has been moved due to ticket demand. Their Group B encounter with co-hosts Australia on July 20th was due to be held at the 42,000 capacity Allianz Stadium in Sydney. They're going across town, though. The game has been moved to the 83,000 capacity Stadium Australia, which, of course, hosted the 2000 Olympic Games.
2: That's great news. The demand is there. People want to get to it. I mean, there's a massive Irish community, obviously, over there on top of the people that will travel. But, I mean, they had obviously set their stall out and made their peace with the fact that it was going to be the 42,000 and that'd be enough. You'd hope that uh, it doesn't end up in an 82,000 with like 50,000 or 60,000 at it because, you know, at that point, obviously, it'll look a bit um, half empty. But uh, you
0: assume they're taking a pretty good gamble on it, Dave. Yeah, well, it's, isn't it good they're in a position where they've underestimated the, the ticket demand for a game such as this, and they are now in a position where they need to look elsewhere for for a suitable home for these sorts of games, as opposed to going the other way and thinking the women's game was somewhere that it wasn't. And we are looking at half-empty stadia. It's, it's a great indicator this far out from the World Cup as well that it could be an unbelievable tournament to watch And it doesn't really matter whether it's the men's game, the women's game, whether it's an under-20 World Cup, whatever level it is, if you've got packed stands, it just gives the viewer the a feel that this is a huge occasion. And the protagonists, in this case, the women's teams in the World Cup next this year, it just brings more out of them as well. We saw it at the European Championships as well, particularly when England were playing at home, that a full stadium just tends to bring everybody up, not just the players themselves, but everybody off the field as well. There's, there's an awful lot more few weeks and months to run for the hype machine to gain momentum. By the time this kicks off, it really should be something special to look forward to. Yeah, by the time Chelsea's
2: Katie McCabe leads, leads Ireland
0: out, Richard, is <laughs> what yeah. right, we're thinking here?
1: Yeah, it looks like it.
2: Yeah, we'll see what happens with that over the next while as well. Uh, <laughs> right, Everton have a new man.
1: Yeah, Sean Dyche confirmed today as Everton's new manager. Indeed, there's already pictures emerging of him taking training and wearing the life out of his players. Uh, The former Burnley boss replaces Frank Lampard, who was sacked last week with the club second from bottom in the Premier League table. Dyche has signed a a two-and-a-half-year contract at Goodison Park and wants to see hard work from his players.
3: Firstly, anyone can take the wheel of a ship in calm waters. It's not calm waters at the minute. But you have to earn the right. So that's my job, to start by earning the right for me as a manager and for my team. You know, it's not a given. We've got to make sure that people are getting something. What I would say is we want to put out a team that works, a team that can fight, a team that can wear the badge with pride beyond just tactical and technical. Of course, they're massive parts of the game. But that feel of a club, you know, I've always thought, I've got to learn this, but I've always felt and thought that, you know, the feel of the fans here, they don't mind the ball being put at risk, they don't mind you playing forward, but they want people who are going to work and who are going to run. So... I've got to put that in. And it's not that it's not there, by the way. I'm not questioning any manager that's ever been here. I've got to imprint my feeling and my style on it. And that's part of what I do. And hopefully, with a bit of hard work from my staff, with a bit of hard work from the players, we can reignite that passion of the fans because it's still there. You've seen it. You know, we, me, the team, the fans need a chance to definitely find that alignment. That's going to be a really important thing. But it starts with us as a team, starts with me as a manager, to allow that to happen and to give the fans so they can start re-gripping old of the club through the team. And that's what I want. That's what I'm going to be working to. And then we can add in the technical, the tactical, and hopefully some good play as well and give the fans that side of it. But it starts with hard graft, literally the hard yards. And that's how we've got to start.
2: And in Leeds some players, Richie.
1: Yeah, one of them looks like it could be Conor Gallagher. Uh, Everton linked with the Chelsea midfielder today in a package which could be worth 51 million euros. It seems Gallagher uh, wants to stay at Chelsea, but other factors might get in the way there. Everton also linked today with Ren winger Kalmadine Sulemana. Uh, PSV Eindhoven and Newcastle among the other clubs linked with him.
2: I was putting it to Kevin Kilbane earlier, Dave, that uh, it was a good deal for Everton in the sense that Dice has signed a two and a half year contract so that if they do go down, that at least there's somebody there with a bit of nose to bring them back up. And he was like, no, 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 they, they cannot afford to go down. They've got to stay up.
0: Yes, yeah, it's not like Burnley were when they when they went down with Taj. They they maintained their the playing pool. They were able to pay the players a similar level of money because they'd never actually overextended themselves in the first place. And they were able to come straight back up from an Everton point of view. I agree with Kevin. They got down there in big big trouble because they will not be able to hold on to anyone in that squad. And they're a club financially that are struggling already. So, look, the shortlist was incredibly short for this role, but he was the standout character for this position at the very start. I thought them going after Bielsa was a crazy scenario. Uh, they're lucky that he it was, wasn't was overly keen on doing it the way that Everton wanted him to do it, because Deich is just the sort of guy that they need to come in and, Sure things up at the back it's the first thing they have to do, and it's not like he's taking over a club in absolute crisis because they're only a couple of points from safety. They're only six points off thirteenth, for example. A win or two, albeit it'll be tough this weekend against Arsenal. You're you can shoot up that Premier League table really quickly. So the fact that the World Cup was on means, despite that we're in the ed, at the end of January, that we're only halfway through the season. normally need to be three or four extra Premier League games played at this stage of the campaign. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he turns this around pretty quickly because I think the Everton squad is actually far better then it's shown they're certainly not playing to the sum of their parts in recent months. I, he's just the man they need, and I, I, I think he's going to turn it around. If that means just keeping them up, I think he'll do that this season.
2: Was it last April? He, uh, Burnley were 2-1 two, two down at half time against Everton, and he walks into the dressing room and he said, "Listen, lads, this show I don't know how to win a game." And now he's got to now tiptoe back t- into that dressing room and go, "Listen, <laughs> lads, about that, that's just it's
0: just game talk." Well, they've proven him right in the meantime, haven't they? <laughs>
2: That's the spirit, Dave. That's, that's what he'll need to... Uh, I was right about that. That's <laughs> first, his first speech. Uh, Golf Richie, uh, recap for anybody who wasn't glued to their <clears> TV this morning.
1: Yeah, Rory McIlroy says he actually had to block out Patrick Reed's challenge as he claimed the Dubai Desert Classic this morning. Back-to-back birdies in his final two holes saw McIlroy win by a single stroke in the desert. The County Down golfer says the Reed factor gave him added incentive, but he had to put his personal feelings to one side. You know, I, I think mentally today... It was probably one of the toughest rounds I've ever had to play because it would be really easy to let your emotions get in the way um, and I, I just had to really concentrate on focusing on myself. Uh, forget who was up there on the leaderboard um, and, and I did that really, really well. Um, you know, I, I feel like I, I showed a lot of mental strength out there today and again, something to really build on for the rest
3: of the year.
2: I have to say, Dave, I was definitely one of those in the camp that felt that he needed to get the business done on 18, like given his recent relationship with the water on that hole, given his tee shot off 18 uh, with his la- for his last hole of the entire week. It just felt like um, yeah. Reed had played it so well previously that it would have been big time advantage Reed had he not holed out.
0: Yeah, he got lucky with his tee shot. McIlroy was a couple of feet away from being in the water and... All bets were off at that end of the drink. So I think that made his decision for him. And as you say, the history that he has that hold stuck it in the water last year, cost himself a tournament, stuck it in the water yesterday in his third round. It probably made it easy for him to do what he did. And then he just has to trust his wedge game. Wasn't the greatest wedge shot he ever hit, but he gave himself a really good chance. Obviously there's always the chance you're going to try and be too cute with that wedge shot and end up sticking it in the water in front of the green. And his putting has just been transformed over the last nine months. And he's gone from way down the putting stats and the wedge stats to topping them in some cases. And to hold a putt to win the tournament like that just set him up for the year. Yeah,
2: absolutely okay. incredible. But the the handshake, I mean, I presume there would have been a handshake. There would have had to be been, been a handshake.
0: Ah, yes. And look, they, they both just would have done whatever it takes to put that behind them just for that. 15, 20 minutes when they're in the middle of the playoff. Would have been interesting to see what was being said afterwards in the press conferences. But yeah, there would have been a handshake. They would have just gone about their business. You, otherwise, you turn it into something that it doesn't necessarily have to be. And you probably end up actually giving your opponent an advantage. I would have backed Reed in that playoff. I I think um, it was McElroy, him getting the job done on 18 and regulation was cr- absolutely crucial.
2: Yeah, he did yeah. show a serious Reed, read to be fair to him on 18 to go for it and then, uh, and then get the birdie to put the pressure on which set it up just nicely. Um, one addition to Andy Farrell's squad for the initial stages of Six Nations at least, Richie?
1: Yeah, the uncapped Ulster hooker Tom Stewart has been drafted into the Ireland squad today. The 22-year-old is to provide cover with Renan Kelleher nursing a hamstring injury. Kelleher hasn't been ruled out of Saturday's Six Nations opener with Wales in Cardiff but he will be managed by the medical team this week. This week.
2: Crow Park is... Uh, Busy
1: this evening. It is indeed, yeah, the lights are on tonight because representatives of Kilmacud, Croaks and Glenn are appearing before the CCCC tonight. Glenn have appealed to the result of last week's All-Ireland Club football final as Croaks had 16 active players on the pitch for the final of the game. Croaks themselves have lodged their own counter-objection to Glenn's appeal and it's believed that they have no interest in replaying the final. I have to say, Dev, I can't see
2: how this one ends. I can't see the outcome
0: yeah, neither do I. Then but, but look, part of me feels that a re- replay is the is the fairest outcome. But at the same time, if that is ga- game is replayed and Glenn win it, it's surely the most tainted all Ireland title of in in living memory. No one will ever feel that Glenn have won it fairly. And if the game isn't replayed, there'll be an awful lot of people that feel the croaks haven't won it fairly. Mm-hmm. So how they find their way out of this quagmire? It's a mess of their own making in many ways, but obviously the GAA can't be responsible really for some of the decisions that were made by the officials in the moment. Like are doing some reading around it. Glenn asked for that 45 to be retaken yeah, because yeah. it was discovered that Darren Wallen was still in the field. And if the referee turns around and says, go on, take that again, the whole mess is sorted out straight away. Mm-hmm. And there are an awful lot of people within the association that wish things had happened in in that way at the time. But... As you say, well, what's the end game? I just don't know what it is. Ah, it's it's, it's an know. awful mess.
2: It's possible to know. And I don't know, like the, the, all the soundings out of Croaks are that they don't, want, they don't want a replay and they mm-hmm. won't offer a replay and it won't be had. So, I mean, I don't know. I think the, I actually think the time for getting in the room has passed. I think they should have done that uh, this night last week. We shall okay. see what the, uh, if there's smoke of any variety from Croke Park a bit later on. Chelsea hoping to dip before the window shuts, Richie.
1: Yeah, they are indeed. Benfica's board meeting this evening to discuss Chelsea's bid for Enzo Fernandez. Chelsea have offered a British record 120 million euro package for the midfielder that Benfica signed for just 10 million back in June. Fernandez helped Argentina win the World Cup in December, of course, scoring in their group win over Mexico. Some reaction to the guy from the weekend. Yeah, Kerry's defence of the alliance Football League Division One title began with a contentious defeat in Ballybuffey. Jack O'Connor's side lost by 13 points to 1-9 to Donegal. But speaking to Radio Kerry afterwards, O'Connor says Quaylen McGolgan's first half point for the hosts should not have stood.
2: Fierce, disappointing after the, after coming that journey and 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 the lads put in a great shift and, and gave it their all. But we, we we you know we just felt a bit short. And I just felt we didn't get any breaks. I mean, the <laughs> the point that. The point that the, that the umpire allowed for Donegal there in the first half was the yeah. most bizarre decision they've ever seen in my life for a yard if not two yards away. So um, that's what happens. That's you know. a big decision. When well, it's a, a big point. decision when it's the game is decided by a point. You know. Yeah, uh, Jacko. Jacko. Off to a fiery start. That is all we have time for the news round for this evening.
0: Richie, thank you. Dave, give us the details again. Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, Ireland, Wales, Cardiff, opening round. It's live on Virgin Media too, and our player and. I mean, I wish it was tomorrow. Can't wait. We're well, yeah. we also at the 20s game as well, live Friday night, which should be a very interesting one. are already going in, of course, as defending Grand Slam champions.
2: Who have you got on uh, co commentary Do you know yet?
0: Myself and Mr. Quinlan oh, will be no. in the dream Colwyn team. Bay Friday night and then in the Cardiff City Centre Saturday afternoon. The Dream Team. Good stuff. Looking <laughs> forward to it. Thanks, Come
2: guys. On. Thanks Dave. Thanks, Richie. Thanks, nice, lads.
0: L-T-B-A-M. I was really triggered. We don't want... Johnny Sexton having any part of any Netflix curse ahead of the World Cup. OTB
2: AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app.